Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 23, The War Against Yourself, with Section 3, The Laws of Chaos. It's a lengthy section, so today we'll be reading paragraphs 19 through 31. We're also mindful of our lesson today, lesson 255. This day, I choose to spend in perfect peace. And by way of opening this morning, I found this delightful little piece uh, that's so reflective of the difference between form and content when we're thinking of the laws of chaos. Its author is unknown, and it's called The Wise Woman's Stone. A wise woman was traveling in the mountains and found a precious stone in a stream. The next day, she met another traveler who was hungry and the wise woman opened her bag to share her food. The hungry traveler saw the precious stone and asked the woman to give it to him. She did so without hesitation. The traveler left, rejoicing in his good fortune. He knew the stone was enough to give him security for a lifetime. But a few days later, he came back to return the stone to the wise woman. I've been thinking, he said, I know how valuable the stone is, but I give it back in the hope that you can give me something even more precious. Give me what you have within you that enabled you to give me the stone. What a delightful little piece that helps us reflect on the truth. Amen. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Thank you, Lori. Oh, I'm glad you liked thank that. Thank you, Lori. I loved it, too, and you're welcome. Okay, here's our reading list this morning, friends. We have Fran, Lemoyne, Robin Marie, Lana, and we're joined in listening this morning by Steve and Diana, and Micah and Roz. Has anyone else joined the call that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Yes, good morning. This is Jessica, and I can read. Thanks, Jessica. Good morning. And anyone else? Okay, then. So we begin, again, in Chapter 23, The War Against Yourself, with Section 3, The Laws of Chaos. 
Paragraph 19. The so-called laws of chaos can be brought to light, though never understood. Chaotic laws are hardly meaningful, and therefore out of reason's sphere. Yet they appear to constitute an obstacle to reason and to truth. Let us look then, let us then look upon them calmly, that we may look beyond them, understanding what they are, not what they would maintain. It is essential to be understood what they are for, because it is their purpose to make meaningless and to attack the truth. Here are the laws that rule the world you made, and yet they govern nothing and need not be broken, merely looked upon and gone beyond. Fran. Section 3, The Laws of Chaos. Paragraph 19. The, quote, laws of chaos can be brought to light, though never understood. Chaotic laws are hardly meaningful, and therefore out of reason's sphere, yet they appear to constitute an obstacle to reason and to truth. Let us then look upon them calmly, that we may look beyond them, understanding what they are, not what they would maintain. It is essential it be understood what they are for, because it is their purpose to make meaningless and to attack the truth. Here are the laws that rule the world you made, and yet they govern nothing and need not be broken, merely looked upon and gone beyond. 20. The first chaotic law is that the truth is different for everyone. Like all these principles, this one maintains that each is separate and has a different set of thoughts which sets him off from others. This principle evolves from the belief there is a hierarchy of illusions. Some are more valuable and therefore true. Each one establishes this for himself and makes it true by his attack on whatever what another values. And this is justified because the values differ and those who hold them seem to be unlike and therefore enemies. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne. Thank you, Laurie. Uh, The first chaotic law is that the truth is different for everyone. Like all these principles, this one maintains that each is separate and has a different set of thoughts which sets him off from others. This principle evolves from the belief there is a hierarchy of illusion. Some are more valuable and therefore true. Each one establishes this. Uh, each one establishes this for himself and makes it true by his attack on what another values. And this is justified because the values differ, and those who hold them seem to be unlike and therefore enemies. Think how this seems to interfere with the first principle of miracles. For this establishes degrees of truth among illusions, making it appear that some of them are harder to overcome than others. If it were realized that they are all the same and equally untrue, 
it would be easy then to understand that miracles apply to all of them. Errors of any kind can be corrected because they are untrue. When brought to truth instead of to each other, they merely disappear. No part of nothing can be more resistant to the truth than can another. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Robin Marie. Well, I think how this seems to interfere with the first principle of miracles, for this establishes degrees of truth among illusions, making it appear that some of them are harder to overcome than others. If it were realized that they are all the same and equally untrue, it would be easy then to understand that miracles apply to all of them. Errors of any kind can be corrected because they are untrue. When brought to truth instead of to each other, they merely disappear. No part of nothing can be more resistant to the truth than can another. 22. The second law of chaos, dear indeed to every worshiper of sin, is that each one must sin and therefore deserves attack and death. This principle, closely related to the first, is the demand that errors call for punishment and not correction. For the destruction of the one who makes the error places him beyond correction and beyond forgiveness. What he has done is thus interpreted as an irrevocable sentence upon himself, which God himself is powerless to overcome. Sin cannot be remitted because being, oh, sin cannot be remitted. Being the belief of the Son of God can make a mistake for which his own destruction becomes inevitable. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert Marie and Lana. Okay. 22. The second law of chaos, dear indeed to every worshiper of sin, is that one must sin and therefore deserves attack and death. This principle, closely related to the first, is the demand that errors call for punishment and not correction. For the destruction of the one who makes the errors places him beyond correction and beyond forgiveness. What he has done is thus interpreted as an irrevocable sentence upon himself, which God himself is powerless to overcome. Sin cannot be remitted, being the belief the Son of God can make mistakes for which his own destruction becomes inevitable. 23. Excuse me. Think what this seems to do to the relationship between the Father and the Son. Now it appears that they can never be one again, for one must always be condemned and by the other. Now are they different and enemies, and their relationship is one of opposition, just as the separate aspects of the sun meet only to conflict, but not to join. One becomes weak 
the other strong by his defeat. And fear of God and of each other now appears as sensible, made real by what the Son of God has done both to himself and his creator. The arrogance on which the laws of chaos stand could not be more apparent than emerges here. Thank you, Lena and Jessica. Okie dokie. <laughs> um, 23. Think what this seems to do to the relationship between the father and the son. Now it appears that they can never be one again. For one must always be condemned and by the other. Now are they different and enemies? And their relationship is one of opposition, just as the separate aspects of the sun need only to conflict but not to join. One becomes weak, the other strong by his defeat. And fear of God and of each other now appears as sensible made real by what the Son of God has done, both to himself and his creator. The arrogance on which the laws of chaos stand could not be more apparent than emerges here. Here is a principle which would define what the creator of reality must be, what he must think, and what he must believe, and how he must respond, believing it. It is not seen as even necessary that he be asked about the truth of what has been established for his belief. His son can tell him this, and he has but the choice whether to take his word for it or be mistaken. This leads directly to the third preposterous belief that seems to make chaos eternal. For if God cannot be mistaken, then he must accept his son's belief in what he is and hate him for it. Thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for 24 and 25? Good morning, Maria. It's Karen. I can read. Thanks, Karen. 20, 24. Here is a principle which would define what the creator of reality must be, what he must think and what he must believe, and how he must respond believing it. It is not even seen as necessary that he be asked about the truth of what has been established for his belief. His son can tell him this, and he has but the choice whether to take his word for it or be mistaken. This leads directly to the third preposterous belief that seems to make chaos eternal. For if God cannot be mistaken, then he must accept his son's belief in what he is 
and hate him for it. 25. See how the fear of God is reinforced. Excuse me. See how the fear of God is reinforced by this third principle? Now it becomes impossible to turn to him for help in misery. For now he has become the enemy who caused it and to whom appeal is useless. Nor can salvation lie within the Son, whose every aspect seems to be at war with him and justified in its attack. And now is conflict made inevitable and beyond the help of God. And now salvation must remain impossible because the Savior has become the enemy. Thank you, Karen. And is there another new reader for 25 and 26? Hey, boy, it's Jude. I can read. Thanks, Jude. See how the fear of God is reinforced by this third principle. Now it becomes impossible to turn to him for help in misery. For now... He has become the enemy who caused it, to whom appeal is useless, nor can salvation lie within the Son, whose every aspect seems to be at war with him and justified in its attack. And now is conflict made inevitable beyond the help of God, for now salvation must remain impossible because the Savior has become the enemy. There can be no release and no escape. Atonement thus becomes a myth, and vengeance, not forgiveness, is the will of God. From where all this begins, there is no sight of help and can succeed. Only destruction can be the outcome, and God himself seems to be siding with it to overcome his son. Think not... The ego will enable you to find escape from what it wants. That is the function of this course, which does not value what the ego cherishes. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Jude. And is there another new reader for 26 and 27? Okay, Fran, back to you. 26. There could be no release and no escape. Atonement thus, atonement thus becomes a myth, and vengeance, not forgiveness, is the will of God. From where all this begins, there is no sight of help that can succeed. Only destruction can be the outcome, and God himself seems to be siding with it to overcome his son. Think not the ego will enable you to find escape from what it wants. That is the function of this course, which does not value what the ego cherishes. 27. The ego values only what it takes. This leads to the fourth law of chaos, which, if the others are accepted, must be true. This seeming law is the belief you have what you have taken. By this, another's loss becomes your gain. 
and thus it fails to recognize that you can never take away, save from yourself. Yet all the other laws must lead to this. For enemies do not give willingly to one another, nor would they seek to share the things they value. And what your enemies would keep from you must be worth having, just because they keep it hidden from your sight. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne. Okay. The ego values only what it takes. This leads to the fourth law of chaos, which, if the others are accepted, must be true. (laughs) This seeming law is the belief that you have what you have taken. By this, another's loss becomes your gain, and thus it fails to recognize that you can never take away, save from yourself. Yet all the other laws must lead to this. For enemies do not willingly do not excuse me, for enemies do not give willingly to one another, nor would they seek to share the things they value. And what your enemies would keep from you must be worth having just because they kept it hidden from your sight. All of the mechanisms of madness are seen emerging here. The, quote, enemy made strong by keeping hidden the valuable inheritance, which should be yours, your justified position and attack for what has been withheld, and the inevitable loss the enemy must suffer to save yourself. Thus do the guilty ones protest their, quote, innocence. Were they not forced into this foul attack by the unscrupulous behavior of the enemy, they would respond with only kindness. But in a savage world, the kind cannot survive, so they must take or else be taken from. Thank you, LeMoyne. And Robert Marie. 28. All of the mechanisms of madness are seen emerging here. The quote-unquote enemy made strong by keeping hidden the valuable inheritance which should be yours, your justified position and attack for what has been withheld and the inevitable loss the enemy must suffer to save yourself. Thus do the guilty ones protest their, quote, innocence, unquote. Were they not forced into this foul attack by the unscrupulous behavior of the enemy, they would respond with only kindness. But in a savage world, the kind cannot survive, so they must take or else be taken from. 29. And now there is a vague unanswered question, not yet, quote, explained, unquote. What is this precious thing, this priceless pearl, this hidden secret treasure to be wrested in righteous wrath from this most treacherous, treacherous and cunning enemy? It must be what you want but never found. And now you quote, understand, unquote, the reason why you found it not. For it was taken from you by this enemy and hidden where you would not think to look. He hid it in his body, making it the cover for his guilt, 
the hiding place for what belongs to you. Now must his body be destroyed and sacrificed that you may have that which belongs to you. His treachery demands his death that you may live and you attack only in self-defense. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Lana. Okay, 29. And now there is a vague, unanswered question, not yet in quotes explained. What is this precious thing, this priceless pearl, this hidden secret treasure, to be wrested in righteous wrath from this most treacherous and cunning enemy? It must be what you want but never found. And now you, in quotes, understand the reason why you found it not. For it was taken from you by this enemy and hidden where you would not think to look. He hid it in his body, making it, making it the cover for his guilt. The hiding place for what belongs to you. Now must his body be destroyed and sacrifice, that you may have that which belongs to you. His treachery demands his death, that you may live, and you attack only in self-defense. But what is it you want that needs his death? Can you be sure your murderous attack is justified unless you know what it is for. And here a final principle of chaos comes to the rescue. <laughs> it holds it holds there is a substitute for love. This is the magic that will cure all of your pain. The missing factor in your madness that makes it sane and quote sane. This is the reason why you must attack. Here is what makes your vengeance justified. Behold, unveiled, the ego's secret gift, born from your brother's body, hidden there in malice and in hatred for the one to whom the gift belongs. He would deprive you of the secret ingredient, which would, which would meaning to your life. The substitute for love, born of your enmity to one another, must be salvation. It has no substitute, and there is only one. And all your relationships have but the purpose of seizing it and making it your own. Thank you, Lana. And Jessica. Thank you, Lori. Um, 30. But what is it you want that needs his death? Can you be sure your murderous attack is justified unless you know what it is for? And here, a final principle of chaos comes to the rescue. It holds there is a substitute for love. This is the so-called magic 
that will cure all of your pain. The missing factor in your madness that makes it pain. This is the reason why you must attack. Here is what makes your vengeance justified. Behold, unveiled, the ego's secret gift, born from your brother's body, hidden there in malice and in hatred for the one to whom the gift belongs. He would deprive you of the secret ingredient which would give meaning to your The substitute for love, born of your enmity to one another, must be salvation. It has no substitute, and there is only one. And all your relationships have but the purpose of seizing it and making it your own. 31. Never is your possession made complete, and never will your brother cease his attack on you for what you stole. Nor will God end his vengeance upon both. For in his madness, he must have this substitute for love and kill you both. You who believe you walk in sanity with feet on solid ground and through a world where meaning can be found, consider this. These are the laws on which your, quote, sanity appears to rest. These are the principles which make the ground beneath your feet seem solid. And it is here, and it is here, that you look for meaning. These are the laws you made for your salvation. They hold in place the substitute for heaven, which you prefer. This is their purpose. They were made for this. There is no point in asking what they mean. That is apparent. The means of madness must be insane. As you are certain that you realize Are you as certain that you realize the goal is madness? Thank you, Jessica. And do we have a new reader to complete today with 31? Okay, Karen. 31. Never is your possession made complete, and never will your brother cease his attack on you for what you stole, nor will God end his vengeance upon both, for in his madness he must have this substitute for love and kill you both. You who believe you walk in sanity with feet on solid ground and through a world where meaning can be found, consider this. These are the laws on which your sanity, your quote-unquote sanity, appears to rest. These are the principles which make the ground beneath your feet seem, seem solid. And it is here you look for meaning. These are the laws you made for your salvation. They hold in place the substitute for heaven, which you prefer. 
This is their purpose. They were made for this. There is no point in asking what they mean. That is apparent. The means of madness must be insane. Are you as certain that you realize the goal is madness? Thank you, Karen, and thank you, everyone who read. Um, so for a brief summary, then, of Section 3, the first half, describing the five laws of chaos, starting in 19, the laws of chaos can be brought to light, though never understood. Chaotic laws are hardly meaningful and therefore out of reason's sphere. Yet they appear to constitute an obstacle to reason and to truth. Let us then look upon them calmly that we may look beyond them, understanding what they are, not what they would maintain. It is essential to be understood what they are for because it is their purpose to make meaningless and to attack truth. Paragraph 20, the first chaotic laws that truth is different for everyone. Like all these principles, this one maintains that each is separate and has a different set of thoughts which set him off from others. And those who hold these values differ and those who hold them seem to be unlike and therefore enemies. 21. Think how this seems to interfere with the first principle of miracles. Errors of any kind can be corrected because they are untrue. When brought to truth instead of to each other, they merely disappear. No part of nothing can be more resistant to truth than can another. 22. The second law of chaos, dear indeed to every worshiper of sin, is that each one must sin and therefore deserves attack and death. This principle, closely related to the first, is the demand that errors call for punishment and not correction. 23. Think what this seems to do to the relationship between the Father and the Son. Now it appears they can never be one again, for one must always be condemned by the other. Their relationship is one of opposition just as separate aspects of the sun need only to conflict and not to join. In 24, here is the principle which would define what the creator of reality must be, what he must think and what he must believe and how he must respond. And this leads directly to the third preposterous belief that seems to make chaos eternal. For if God can not be mistaken, then he must accept his son's belief in what he is and hate him for it. In 25, see how the fear of God is reinforced by this third principle. For now, he has become the enemy who caused it and to whom appeal is useless. And now salvation must remain impossible because the Savior has become the enemy. In 26, there can be no release and no escape. Atonement thus becomes a myth and vengeance, not forgiveness, is the will of God. Think not the ego will enable you to find escape from what it wants. This is the function of this course, which does not value what the ego cherishes. 
and 27. The ego values only what it takes. This leads to the fourth law of chaos, which if the others are accepted must be true. This seeming law is the belief you have what you have taken. By this, another's loss becomes your gain, and thus it fails to recognize that you can never take away, save from yourself. 28, all of the mechanisms of madness are seen emerging here. The so-called enemy made strong by keeping hidden the valuable inheritance which should be yours. Your justified position and attack for what has been withheld and the inevitable loss the enemy must suffer to save yourselves. But in a strange and savage world, the kind cannot survive, so they must take or be taken from. 29. Now there is a vague, unanswered question, not yet explained. What is this precious thing, this priceless pearl, this hidden treasure to be wrested in righteous wrath? from this most treacherous and cunning enemy. And finally in 30, here is the final principle of chaos that comes to the rescue. It holds there is a substitute for love. This is the magic that will cure all your pain, the missing factor in your madness that makes it sane. This is the reason why you must attack. And here it is. Here is what makes your vengeance justified. Your brother would deprive you of the secret ingredient which would give meaning to your life. The substitute for love, born of your enmity to one another, must be salvation. And all your relationships have the purpose of seizing it and making your own. Finally, in 31, never is your possession made complete and never will your brother cease his attack on you for what you stole. You who believe you walk in sanity with feet on solid ground and through a world where meaning can be found, consider this. These are the laws on which your so-called sanity appears to rest. These are the principles which make the ground beneath your feet seem solid. And it is here you look for meaning. These are the laws you made for your salvation. They hold in place the substitute for heaven, which you prefer. The means of madness must be insane. Are you certain that you realize the goal is madness? And I hesitate to say amen, but this is where we complete the reading for today. Um, and so, you know what? Um, it's only two minutes the top of the hour and I think a really nice pause called for here <laughs> where we can choose differently this day I choose to spend the perfect peace and once again with our gratitude friend we turn to you for a lesson reflection thank you Lori thanks for the recap that was great thank you hi everybody <clears throat> we are in the second part of the workbook the theme that we're on is what is sin. And today's lesson is lesson 255. This day, I choose to spend in perfect peace. So I shall read some from what is sin. Sin is insanity. It is the means by which the mind is driven mad and seeks to let illusions take the place of truth. 
And being mad, it sees illusions where the truth should be and where it really is. Sin is the home of all illusions, which would stand for things imagined, issuing from thoughts which are untrue. They are the, quote, proof that what has no reality is real. Sin, quote, proves God's son is evil. Timelessness must have an end. Eternal life must die. And God himself has lost the son he loves with but corruption to complete himself. He will forever overcome by death. Love slain by hate and peace to be no more. A madman's dreams are frightening and sin appears indeed to terrify. And yet what sin perceives is but a childish game. The Son of God may play he has a body, pray to evil and to guilt, with but a little life that ends in death. But all the while, his Father shines on him and loves him with an everlasting love which his pretenses cannot change at all. How long, O Son of God, will you maintain the game of sin? Shall we not put away these sharp-edged children's toys? How soon will you be ready to come home? Perhaps today? There is no sin. Creation is unchanged. Would you still hold return to heaven back? How long, O holy Son of God, how long? Now we'll go to the lesson. Lesson 255. This day... I choose to spend in perfect peace. It does not seem to me that I can choose to have a peace today. And yet my God assures me that his son is like himself. Let me this day have faith in him, who says I am God's son. And let the peace I choose be mine today bear witness to the truth of what he says. God's son can have no cares and must remain forever in the peace of heaven. In his name I give today to finding what my Father wills for me, accepting it as mine, and giving it to all my Father's sons along with me. And so, my Father, would I pass this day with you. Your Son has not forgotten you. The peace you gave him still is in his mind, and it is there I choose to spend today. Lesson 255, this day I choose to spend in perfect peace. Take a moment and reflect on that. And so, my Father, would I pass this day with you. 
Your son has not forgotten you. The peace you gave him still is in his mind, and it is there I choose to spend today. Lesson 255. This day I choose to spend in perfect peace. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, Fran. That was so nicely done. Thank you, Fran. That was lovely. Yes, it was, and I really needed to hear that today. Thanks. Me too. Thanks, Fran. Uh, Thank you, guys. This day I choose to spend in perfect peace with God, with you all, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Um, Gosh, I love that lesson. And um, for me, the key word is choice. Today I choose. And sometimes I I, um, have a vision. I just look and, and I have an image of a split mind. And I see one part very gray and dark and the other part bright with light and um in choosing the right mind the truth you know it's it's like that's like the doorway where jesus says knock (laughs) but i you know i've learned that the door is never locked that i can walk right in whenever i want it and and the first sentence of today's reading where it says um the laws of chaos can be brought to light, though never understood. Um, I, for me, and I'm just talking about my experience, the delay seems to be in trying to understand the chaos of the ego, to try to reconcile it with truth. And, um, of course, you can't bring light to nothingness. You can't bring anything to nothingness. So that's why I think Jesus says the laws of chaos can can be brought to light. They're never understood. And um, again, in paragraph 21, he says, when brought to truth, you know, he repeats that word. You know, it's, um, in, in, in an effect for me, it's, telling me to bring my awareness to truth, to bring my awareness to that bright light of true understanding. And and again, it reminds me of um, my mother was such a great teacher uh, for me, and it reminded me of those times when um, she was hallucinating. And, you know, she had um, visual hallucinations, auditory hallucinations and for most time most times my brother or myself could talk her back to that over that line of discernment about 
you know, human reality and her illusional reality. But there were other times when the illusions were out the, at their worst where they were tactile hallucinations. And she would say things like, oh, no, 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 she's real, or he's real. He touched me, and I touched him. Um, that's when uh, we had to confine her, and it was heartbreaking, but she could hurt herself or something else, or, or somebody else because um, she had crossed that line into a totally illusionary existence where everything she felt, thought, saw, heard, all convinced her that that existence was real. And if you can just imagine how terrifying that was. And Jesus in this section, I think, is trying to communicate how terrifying the ego consciousness, the separation consciousness can be at its worth. But ego is so cunning because although it wants, it wants me dead, he also, he, it also knows that if I'm dead, it dies with me. So he keeps the dream just barely believable. That keeps our engagement there, keeps my engagement there. And, and the temp, but the temptation is so great to, um, because I see, hear, feel a false reality, and the experience can seem very real, you know, in situations, in my emotional responses, in my um, reactions to it. Um, but there's one key, you know, for me in times of fear. You know, I have that picture in my mind of the split mind and I know from you know just from years of doing it that um, beyond all my false perceptions beyond the dualistic uh, problems and thoughts and emotions of the ego thought system and our adventure here in time space there's another choice and I need not I can't understand the chaos of the ego thought system and um, Jesus, you know, wants us to understand that fact, that, you know, engage it, try to solve it, try to fix it, try to understand it, try to reconcile it with truth, and it only digs me deeper into it. And the only thing, and the thing about truth, when I'm in that state of mind, I don't understand truth either. You know, I don't understand anything. But I know from past experiences that if I choose love and am willing to embrace the healing balm of love, that it will do everything for me. It will, um, and, I, and I try to bring my focus and attention in those times to my heart center because my heart um, is this word symbol for love. And when my, when my mind is joined with that love, it's a power that's unearthly, unhuman. It's divine, and I and I have learned that I don't care how how forcefully and how embedded I am in the ego thought system. Just the remembrance of love will undo that, and it's and love serves as a portal because it's not it's it's not an intellectual thing. It's a loving presence. It's an energy. And when I choose that and bring all this crazy crap to it, 
it serves as a portal to my right mind just in that choice and and in that choice that's when the alchemy happens and that shift occurs in my mind that um brings me back to sanity and helps me to remember the truth and recognize that truth so my part jesus does everything in his power to show us all the tricks of the ego all the terror that it can um, conjure up within us when we're aligned with it but he's also emphatic in his teaching that it's not real you know it may look real it may sound real it may feel real um, but it's not it's nothing it's an illusion and just like my mother believed her illusions were real um we you know we I can really be convinced sometimes and and the things that help me is number one noticing I'm not at peace um, that's an easy thing for me to do and as I do that it's like just that memory of I'm not at peace alerts my mind to the fact that there is a state called peace and all I have to do is be willing to choose that instead and that's it that's it that's my part in the whole game choose it and then Holy Spirit um, my right mind takes over from there that my higher self my true self once again I notice I've misidentified myself as a small limited frightened person persona and by choosing peace by choosing the remedy the solution and not getting lost in the problem or the perceived problem that's that's all I need to do and um, truth takes over when I choose it even if I don't understand it even if I don't believe it even <laughs> I'm so insane that I'm I feel like I'm being a Pollyanna it doesn't matter all I have to do is be willing to see differently and to choose peace today I choose to be in perfect peace that's it and then I rest in God and let God and let the power and the power of forgiveness undo those hallucinations that I thought were so real and so harming and so debilitating and, and just allow them to pass through and disappear I don't I don't fight them how do you fight something that doesn't exist how does how did my mother fight a, a person standing in front of her that doesn't exist um it's a choice for truth even when every fiber of my being is fighting me saying this is true this is this fear is true and real because for ego is so convincing it convinces us that it will keep us safe but truth tells me you are safe you don't have to become safe <laughs> um, so uh, anyhow um, it's a powerful reading today I think and and the lesson is so beautiful it's like the lesson is the response to the reading today I choose to be in perfect peace or something I don't know if I got the wording right but but that's the idea so um, thank you guys for listening I, I I am just eternally grateful for all of you
for being here with me. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Anna. That was a beautiful and clear share. That was so wonderful, yeah. Anna. Thank you. Anna, yes. It was thank beautiful and so clear. Thank It was great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. Because this is Ida. Good morning. Um, if this were all there was to the course, this would be a very depressing course. If it were just this, this um, chapter, I mean, this section. You know what I mean? It's a, the laws of chaos. But we know it's not all there is to the course. And Lana was just telling us that that we can let go of the laws of chaos and we can live with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and with each other as a one son of God in glory. Thanks, I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Hi, everybody. It's Jude. You know, this, I agree with Ida. This is <laughs> really sort of a downer, downer part of the text. But um, I think, you know, that, you know, looking at sickness, looking at insanity, you know, looking at what is the, the root of the evil in, in, in um, egoic separation, usurping what it believes its power in the world, you know, and how these, these, these laws of chaos 
operate in our world, and I see it, and I hear it, because I've studied this text so many times over and over over the course of so many years that, you know, when someone says to me, you know, what you think is true for you, and it's not true for me, and, you know, when I'm standing there face-to-face with a beloved friend, and she's in conflict with me, and she's standing on that as a belief that it's true for her, that what is true for her is different than what is true for me. And, you know, to go into this as um, a complete reversal of a thought system is, you know, a huge, huge undertaking when, when we're, we're talking one-on-one with each other in this regular conversation. But I think people are aware of these things that that you know this is this is something that is isn't true, and we need to see the untruth of it. And you know that that um, you know if someone does something hurtful or um, something wrong-minded, um, that they deserve attack and punishment, not correction, is another thing that that our society is riddled with this, you know, uh, um, attack, judge, attack, um, put them on trial, hang them high, throw them in jail, or kill them. I mean, it's like in our everyday experience, this is what we do. The idea of of restitutional or, um, um, you know, justice, um, restoring justice, through the form of forgiveness and reconciliation is a very minimal, minimalized concept in our um, justice system. And, you know, what, and how we project or anthropomorphize the way humans' limited perception of the world is projected on our creator and says this is the way we think, so this is the way God must think. You know, that so many people do not have a relationship with God out of fear that they, you know, have been been indoctrinated with this fearful concept of a punishing God that makes people run screaming from their own salvation. And, you know, that um, we can, nor can we find salvation within the Son from our brothers. Because where can we turn in this in this um, this punishing system of justice that we have, and how conflicts inevitable? That um, if I don't get while the getting's good, I'm gonna be a loser. This 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 form of of competition and, and comparison. Um, you know, I mean, think about the Olympics. Who's the winner? Who's the victor? Who's the best and who's the loser? And all these things are glorified in our world as ways and means of being successful and accomplished and having agendas, you know, that serve the purpose of the propaganda of the world that we live in. And, you know, how they're all mechanisms of madness. It is just insanity. And um, so how do we disengage by not Seeing, seeing any truth in it by disengaging 
um, observing it calmly that we cannot understand madness because it is insanity. <laughs> you can't understand insanity from within insanity. You can't judge it from within the insane thought system that it is. And I think this is what this portion of the text says very clearly that um, you know we can't we can't we can't fix an insane thought system from within this insane thought system. We got to step outside of it. We've got to stand in the truth of who we are. We have to not judge. We have to take our judgments of what we perceive as guilt and sin and and mistakes and horror and and disaster that we see in the world to the Holy Spirit and say, take this from me and judge it for me. It's insane. I don't believe it. I'm not going to side with the fearful dream and, and turn it over, turn it over completely. My purpose of what the meaning of this world is, it's, it's non-negotiable. It's God's meaning. It's God's purpose. And I'm going to let him reveal it to me through look looking through the eyes of Christ. He's given me vision. He's given me the voice of the Holy Spirit to straighten my, my perception of it out. So, um, you know, the, that um, there's no substitute for love. That's, that's the clincher. The means of madness is insane. That, that <laughs> the goal of it is madness. This is an insane an insane thought system, this ego, and, um, you know, that that love is, there's no substitute for love, that love is the answer, love is the question, love questions the insanity and sees clearly, lucidly through it, there's no attacking it, there's no defending it, there's only forgiving it, and, um, you know, I love the way you opened, um, Lori, with that simple same message that I'm trying to complete my thoughts with, that um, we can only give each other wholly to each other in the totality of our reality, that we're one in truth, we're one in the same in our truth, or we're one in the same in our insanity. And here, here, here's to the truth today, and truth and peace and understanding and faith are all in that one same heartedness, one same open-mindedness that will see us clear through the insanity of what this ego has made of us. Oh, amen. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> amen. Thank you. I just have a quick. <laughs> I just have a quick share before I go to work. This is Robin Marie. I wrote this probably ten years ago, <laughs> but I picked up a notebook to write in today, and and I flipped to this page. It says I saw a membrane wall with three other hard walls. The membrane wall had a small hole in it, on the upper right hand corner. In my own mind, I want. I went to the story about putting new wine in new wine skins. I asked the Holy Spirit what the whole meant and began thinking that the whole was letting the glory in and that the rest of the membrane would be influenced to partner with the Christ mind and the glory. How to get the good news to the whole of humanity? What neurons to use? What is the place to start? How can I get the message of God's love across today? So I just, I just was encouraged by that uh, 
insight that the Holy Spirit gave me many, many years ago. And thank you so much for all your shares. I'm thank complete. you, Barbara Marie. Oh, that was just sweet. Thank you. Sweet. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Robin Marie, and you too, Judy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That was a beautiful thought from the Bible. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. It reminds me that this whole uh, stairway, he calls it, in the reading for tomorrow, this whole stairway to error, where all error proceeds from the first error in a logical ecological way uh, beginning with truth is different for everyone everyone has different thoughts and different values in a hierarchy and therefore will have con- conflicts over whose values are more correct making each other enemies then this reading ends by saying place not one foot upon this stairway to descent not one foot upon the stairway to descent I love the way uh, he says that because in this progression of five laws of chaos uh, you can see I mean reason um, points out that you take that first step of truth is different for everyone and there are greater values in different places of truth establishing the need to conflict over whose values are correct making each other enemy from that point there's a um, logical descent into madness where separation becomes complete between the father and the son and there is no heaven um, it reminds me of when he talks about the healed relationship he says you still have the habit of looking for disagreement but you have come together and united in purpose but you have the habit of looking for uh, differences I love that thought that new wine can't be put in old wineskins in other words I have to change the way I think about everything beginning with truth is different for everyone early on in this course he says the Holy Spirit sees himself in every mind And by seeing himself in every mind, he establishes the truth of every mind's holiness. There's only the one mind here. But if I take that first step 
believing that there's a difference in values and over this difference we become enemies I will proceed to, to madness um, and it will seem as though atonement and forgiveness make no sense they are myths and all of my relationships become relationships of opposition so how do I escape and that's where we get today's lesson I love the way you emphasized choice Lana when I looked at this lesson this morning um, what it spoke to me of is is um, lesson 74 which is there is no will but God's and that lesson asked me to sit in the notion that if I can accept there is no will but God's then the idea that there's a conflicting will disappears and with that disappearance uh, as I rest in that I won't feel sleepy I'll feel inspired I'll feel energized I'll feel like I'm connected with source because the only thing that made me feel unconnected was the thought that I had a different will this lesson unifies my will with my peace because I make a choice to have faith in the Holy Spirit who says I am God's son where's the ego in that picture not there at all and I let the peace I choose my will I let the peace I choose be mine today bear witness to the truth of what he says God's son can have no cares and must remain forever in the peace of heaven in his name I give today to finding what my father wills for me accepting it as mine and giving it to all my father's son along with me <clears throat> when I read that I was reminded of how he said in chapter 6 that the great peace of the kingdom shines in your mind forever but it must shine outward to make you aware of it and how true that is by letting that peace shine outward I have no enemies no one with whom I differ no one to attack no one to condemn and now I understand how the peace of God is mine forever I've aligned my will with the will of my father The other thing I wanted to talk about uh, especially is the way he talks in paragraph 21 this separate valuing these different values and then conflicting over who has the correct values um, interferes with the first principle of miracles establishing degrees of truth among illusions making it appear as though some are harder to overcome than others if it were realized that they are all the same all illusions are equally untrue it would be easy then to understand that miracles apply to all of them errors of any kind can be corrected 
because they are untrue. And here's the really big point. When brought to truth, instead of to each other, they merely disappear. No part of nothing can be more resistant to the truth than can any other. And just just to tie that together with what we talked about on Friday. Remember he said, I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge. And as a man, I did not attempt to counteract error with knowledge so much as to correct error from the bottom up. And that's what he's talking about here in paragraph 21. If I have an illusion um, that that my political position, say, for example, that my politics are better than your politics, what am I doing, really, but comparing politics rather than truth? But if I take that difference that I seem to perceive to the truth that says there is no difference, God's Son is as holy as he was created to be in innocence and guiltless forever. Where, where does this business of politics enter into that? I've brought illusion to truth rather than truth to illusion. Truth to illusion would say, um, well, clearly, clearly my politics are better. I can't do it that way. Nor can I say, well, God would just say oh, he has nothing to do with politics. That still doesn't correct the error in my mind that makes me feel separate. What does is taking that illusion of difference to truth, not by comparing illusions, but by bringing it to truth, the illusions disappear. And is there a better better word for that than forgiveness? Forgiveness simply... Uh, says, I prefer not to have this illusion. I would rather have the truth. And when my mind is corrected, I will perceive a miracle where before I perceived only differences, attack, condemnation, and conflict, and denial of the truth. In that sense, then, forgiveness is is not a myth. The atonement is not a myth. I would just as soon have truth than any illusion. And when I bring my illusion to the truth, I've corrected error from the bottom up. And just as he said of himself, I demonstrated the powerlessness of the body and the power of the mind by uniting my will with that of my creator. I naturally remembered the soul and my own real purpose. I'd just as soon talk about (laughs) miracles than this descent into madness. But forgiveness and asking for the miracle are my way out of all of this strange perception. And it can happen in an instant. At any point in this descent into madness, I can say, Father, what is the truth of this? I don't know. I don't know. It seems this way to me, but I would rather have the truth. And I'm given the truth because the Holy Spirit is in my mind and has retained all my knowledge saved for me that I might do my will. 
Um, anyway, I think I'm complete with that. Thank you, everyone. Oh, so beautiful, Laurie. Oh, Thank my. you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Laurie. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much, Lori. That really was great. Okay, well, this is Lemoyne. <laughs> I I want to uh, just emphasize a couple things from the first paragraph, at least to remind myself how to approach this. That you know, the first sentence says all this stuff in those first ten, twelve paragraphs that we read. Um. It can be brought to light, but never understood. And that the what he says here is the purpose to looking at them calmly is to go beyond them, which is is neatly summarized by the lesson. I, I've recently had an experience that's like so many others in the of the past, which is this descent into madness. And <clears throat> it, it it was uh you know, or the stair the twisted stairway. And it wasn't reading this section that gave it to me, but just looking at what was doing that it was it was clearly insane this this past is a response to a, an experience of loss um i just began looking for causes of loss and what i did wrong what somebody else did wrong and you know one thing recently in the text that really helped me was to, to understand that you know, the opposite of illusion is not disillusionment, but truth. And so I could see at least this much of the truth is that I was doing this to myself. It seemed to be the thing to do, and it's 
just this continued tearing it, if you will, tearing at the fabric of reality, which must be one to be reality, but the continual finding of difference and mistakes and having a mistake in the past mean that I must do some kind of opposite now or something. And it, it's, and therefore, there's another step. I got to do this now and just implying more and more out of, <clears throat> based on these things that I was, it's really all based on a self-judgment that I was wrong. I am wrong. It it will always go wrong. And yeah, I mean, if I'm doing this, it it's just a descent into greater and greater suffering and a loss of trust of anything because I haven't, you know, built a step for that yet or something. And even if I have, that step is entirely based on mistrust of myself and reality and some need to to tear into reality to try to find safety, this salvation thing, this treasure that we would take of some kind of safety. And uh, it is interesting that that um, you know, the vision to see enough that I'm doing this to myself and that I'm fighting this battle of disillusioning myself is not actually the way to escape illusions. It beca- That's just a, a further descent into, into this madness that separates. And, uh, you know, what, what I found, what I found or I... <clears throat> You know, seeing that I was doing it to myself and that it seemed to be the only thing I knew to do, that I asked for something else. What is the something else? Well, okay, it's pretty clear what the something else that is missing here where I haven't gone beyond is that is peace of mind. The whole thing is this giant exercise in fighting off peace of mind. I can look at it clearly now and see that. At the time, I was like, eh. Anyway, um, so I started to think about peace of mind, and um, that was very clarifying. I mean, it's a way, like the lesson says, it is the way to go beyond this madness of having to keep track of all the seeming differences as if they're they are the foundation of reality. You know, they are an expression of reality as creation and and can be just, you know, aspects of a whole, <laughs> seeing variability within wholeness. And so, you know, to turn, and let me try and turn again to what looks this looking beyond actually was not a looking far from myself, but understanding that this mad exercise, which just increased the madness, was really 
if there was anything, any valuable intent in it, it was to reestablish peace of mind. So then I stopped and thought about what is peace of mind. And it's an internal state. And it's, it's therefore, you know, something that is part of, it is an expression of a being at peace and being entirely within my peace of mind is entirely within my mind, then it must arise from within. And then I got that this whole thing was an attempt to do something that in terms of, always in terms of external aspects that is actually entirely within and um, and recognizing that the choice that, that this path into the laws trying to apply the laws of chaos to my loss of peace was just making it worse and recognizing that peace is within if it's real that I just stated what the goal was. Above all else, I want the peace of God. And it was just like, you know, I mean, I don't even want to talk about building that, building that stair twisted stairway to hell too much, but I can see it. It's like a bunch of toothpicks I'm trying to glue together with, with, uh, with judgment. It's entirely based on the past and it's not it's not useful to life which occurs in the present and it was just a mad attempt to escape my own self-judgment and and to do it out by looking outside and the place to look and go beyond was definitely to focus on what I really wanted which is the salvation that comes, you know, with and in a state of a peaceful mind and just only focusing and saying, I, above all else, I want the peace of God. It's like all that need to struggle just went away and, you know, I found that the goal I was seeking outside was already available within. And uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time trying to, <laughs> trying to get out of the laws of chaos by gluing those toothpicks together, but that thing always collapses. And the laws of chaos somehow only enable you to build steps downward <laughs> away from the goal. And uh, but just let it all go is a, a vain attempt to uh, find a solution in the problem and uh, just let myself have, have peace instead. Above all else, I want to see differently and and uh, 
Yeah, this is the, I see, is the point of bringing it up is what he says. It's like, this is what you do, but, you know, salvation is in heaven where reality lives. And it, it can be had with the power, as Course of Love says, the power of wholehearted desire. Above all else, I desire the peace of God. I'm complete. That was really beautiful, Lemoyne. Thank you. Very clear. And you know, let's see, I think I just closed the tab I wanted. But what you just shared reminded me of um, in Chapter 27, The Illusion of Suffering. <laughs> I think that's a good place to close. It goes like this. A brother separated from yourself, an ancient enemy, a murderer who stalks you in the night and plots your own death. These plans, and yet plans that it be lingering and slow, of this you dream. Yet underneath this dream is yet another in which you become the murderer, the secret enemy, the scavenger and destroyer of your brother and the world alike. Here is the cause of suffering, the space between your dreams and your reality. You are the dreamer of the world of dreams. No other cause it has nor ever will. Nothing more fearful than an idle dream has terrified God's son and made him think that he has lost his innocence, denied his father, and made war upon himself. Rest in the Holy Spirit and allow his gentle dreams to take the place of those you dreamed in terror and in fear of death. He brings forgiving dreams in which the choice is not who is the murderer and who shall be the victim. In the dreams he brings, there is no murderer and there is no death. The dream of guilt is fading from your sight, although your eyes are closed. A smile has come to lighten up your sleeping face. The sleep is peaceful now, for these are happy dreams. Dream softly of your sinless brother who unites with you in holy innocence. And from this dream, the Lord of heaven will himself awaken his beloved son. Dream of your brother's kindnesses instead of dwelling in your dreams on his mistakes. Select his thoughtfulness to dream about instead of counting up the hurts he gave. Forgive him his illusions and give thanks to him for all the helpfulness he gave. And do not brush aside his many gifts because he is not perfect in your dreams. He represents his father whom you see as offering both life and death to you. Brother, he gives but life. Brother, he gives but life. Let your brother's gifts be seen in light of charity and kindness offered you. And let no pain disturb your dreams dream of deep appreciation for his gifts to you. 
rest in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everyone, who stayed with us to the end this morning. I know lots of people have to come and go for other commitments, uh, but we're grateful for everyone who comes and stays and listens for a while. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, guys.